podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Jota and Kyogo continue to do their thing, scoring six of our seven goals this week against Ferenc Faros and Dundee. These two are grabbing the headlines, and rightly so, but another story that continues to catch the attention of the fans is the ongoing reinvention of Tony Ralston. An incredible turnaround from the powerful fullback who added another couple of assists to his tally against Dundee. This year's Ballon d'Or ceremony takes place in Paris later this month, so that one's probably, probably come a bit too soon for him, but next year's as good a time as any for him to break that messy Ronaldo stronghold on the trophy. This is episode 45 of the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino, and this week I'm joined by Miff and Sinky, remember that guy, to cover all things Celtic. <laughs> Miff, another couple of away wins this week, plenty of goals into the bargain, how's your week in Celtic been? Hi Tino, hi Sinky, good to see you son. Uh, hi listeners. Yes, m- much better. <laughs> Probably the, you can tell by the tone straight away, much better this week than I was last week. Just the, everything that you want. Two hard fought victories in the road, particularly Ferns Faros. Very impressive. I thought we controlled the game for, for large spells. And to score seven goals in the road is, is just an excellent return. And I, and I think it's testament to the type of football that, that Ange wants us to play. We've conceded goals, but we've scored more than the other team. And I think that's really what, what Ange Ball's all about. Yeah, 100%. Thank you. Welcome back. Uh, first of all, did you find your way in okay? I did. Obviously, the, the closures with the COP26 threw me off a wee bit, but I managed yeah. to get here in the end. That, no, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Your, uh, your six month hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was waiting to win two games in the bounce before I put myself back in the equation. <laughs> but you know something? It's good to be back. Obviously, Paddy's been poached by the BBC to uh, take over for Sir David Attenborough when he, when he chucks <laughs> it, uh, with that voice of his. But I uh, know it's good to be back. Fitbit's been great. The last, the last couple of games, um, good to watch. Um, it was interesting watching the interview with Joe Hart before the game yesterday and he kind of touched a lot about Ange Ball and he says you need to stick with us sometimes it will come off sometimes it won't but when it comes off it's it's an absolute joy to watch yeah as in as you say at the end of the day as long as you score more goals in the opposition <laughs> and you know whether it's 1-0 or 6-5 it's it's the same end product so now it's been great to see and we had a wee laugh there before coming on air talking about uh, the fickleness of fans very much including ourselves in that because myself and James done the final whistle show after Livingston uh, just over a week ago and it's if that's if that, that. <laughs> talking about how bad it's not how bad it's been, but just you know the negatives from that. That's and then, a Celtic thing, by the way. As they bring you up and kick you down, bring you back up again. But on 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 the the very points that we mentioned and that that were mentioned in the uh, the final whistle show against Livy, and then subsequently in the in the podcast where you know don't play your Anovich left back, that kind of get bought the water. <laughs> or Beton's got to be in midfield. Beton probably the best game in a long long time. In fact, he was excellent against Ferns Faros as well. To be fair. Uh, you know, so all those wee niggly things that, that were going against you, I, I suppose that's where it, it all comes back to just having that that faith in, in the manager that he's got to get the best out of whatever team he puts in the park. And again, last season's probably still playing in a lot of people's minds that you feel that burnt by the whole thing that the natural bumps in the road that come in the course of a season were just a bit more sensitive to them, are more sensitive now than we've ever been. Yeah, I mean, on that very note, actually, so even though you know, Celtic were far too strong, far too powerful for Dundee on, on Sunday. Uh, 4-2, obviously the final scoreline. When it got to 4-2, did you think, one more goal makes an early it, finish here? What, what bothered me, and I, I kind of felt like it all the way through the game, right up until probably the last 10 minutes, was Dundee did look pretty dangerous every time they were at the park. It wasn't that often, but they, they did. And then I, I kind of thought to myself, well, you've effectively got Juranovic 
playing out of position, really, and also Welsh coming in after a, a long spell out. So there's reasons why the defence probably isn't as robust as it would have been, say, if Starfield had been in there. Or, or, or even Scales, Taylor, Ball and Goalie, whoever it might be. I, I think the defence has looked to be a bit more, more solid when we've had a natural left back there. So th- there's, there's mitigating circumstances for that. But that, that would be, if, if there's one negative, I think that the goals were conceding. We, we just always look like conceding. And that's an area we just we just kind of need to tighten up. Dundee, by no means, are a powerful attacking force. But they, they, look, they looked... Fairly dangerous against us yesterday. They were also missing their number nine, one Lee Griffiths. Obviously, couldn't play, so they're, they're even less potent without him. What I'll do, as mentioned at the top of the show, obviously, Jot and Kyogo uh, continue to impress, you know, really entertaining, getting their goals, and, and everything good's coming through those two guys just now. Some really good goals scored amongst the four, but as you say, if a couple of sloppy ones conceded, Sinky, all in all, pretty good day at the office. Pretty good day at the office. Uh, that's striving towards perfection. We're never going to get it. People have been slating individuals, um, first for the, obviously some of the goals. Ugh, with the crosses and the set plays and stuff like that. I mean, I was nervous. Even they went to 2-1, they get their tails up. I, I was I was nervous. And then obviously we came into the second half and we blew them away in the first 10 minutes of that. Getting this getting this perfection, getting the getting these clean sheets, I don't think we're ever going to see, see that under Ange. I really don't. Yeah, he's, he's not mad about the clean sheets, is he? No. Doesn't he, doesn't he pop champagne clubs up on <laughs> Exactly that. But I honestly, as I said there, I think he's happy to win four threes, four twos, three twos. So just to see how nervy that gets in the, the latter stages of the season. Um, you may have seen this one pre-match, lads, but there was a, a stat doing the rounds um, just to show the difference between Celtic when we start Kyogo and when we don't. And it, it's quite incredible. So just as a reminder of anyone that did, didn't see it uh, when he starts so he started seven games for Celtic we've won six of them uh, and lost one scoring 21 goals in the process so a win rate of 86% when he's not started and that's over five games we've had one win in those five games two draws two defeats scoring only five goals uh, and a win rate of 20% it's quite a striking comparison isn't it as much as it might showcase just how vital he is to us that's the whole reason why we bought him was for him to be vital for us and also highlights just how much, you know, I think any team, any team that's successful has their, their linchpin, their main man. And, you know, Eddie was it for a while and then tapered away for obvious reasons, for reasons well known, we've, we've commented on several times in the past. The money we spent in Kyogo, not an ins- insignificant amount of money for, for a club like Celtic based on their budget and based on how much they like to spend on players. It was a decent investment. It was a manager's purchase. And he's, he's producing the goods. So I think those stats, to me, just prove what a good signing he's been rather than to say anything else. There's no way we'd have known before he signed how vital he was going to be and how pivotal he was going to be to the way we work. Yeah. Look at the numbers, look at the stats. But Ange knew. Ah, well, that's he, he definitely knew. And he that's, was, why, that's why he's the man for the job. Yeah. I mean, he was interviewed post-match uh, on Celtic TV and the fella asked him, you know, that's 13 goals for Kyogo in 18 games. He, he surprised, you know, how quickly he's hit the ground running. He says, listen, he says, I'm the least surprised in Scotland because I knew exactly what we're getting from this guy. But to your point, you're right, this is why we signed Kyogo, so it should be no surprise. I think there's a couple of tweets and different things doing the rounds from the other side of the city. There's actually one that stands out that says, Celtic have just signed a guy at five foot seven and less than 10 stone for Japan. We'll see how that works out. It's going pretty well so far, that, my man. Cookie but... <laughs> <laughs> so that's going okay. Um, but there's, there's two schools I thought at play here regarding Kyogo. You know, some people think it's so dangerous to be so reliant on any one player. But I totally agree with your point, Muff. You know, surely any successful team relies on one or maybe two real standouts at any given time. You know, your talisman. So I'm thinking, you know, Salah at Liverpool, Vardy at Leicester and Charlie Adam at Dundee. <laughs> I, I must have watched that clip about 30 times. Yeah, <laughs> he hadn't getting put in his backside. That's <laughs> so brilliant, isn't it? 
especially when he was kind of getting it tight to Ralston with that challenge, that kind of skirmish yeah. edge. You could see he was getting it the big game. <laughs> Adam Charlie. Yeah, exactly. I'll show you. And um, then he's just went and ran into a brickie and he's no about it. The, the only thing with, with guys, your, your talismans you mentioned, when they, when you've no got them, and it's injuries and all that kind of stuff, you've no got them. You miss them so, so much. You noticed that even just a few games that Kyogo missed for injury so far, you know, we were a different side without him. Absolutely. If you think back to, to somebody, you know, in, in, in my lifetime, somebody who's probably been the most um, important player for, for Celtic was Henrik Larson. He had two notable absences, and that was when he broke his cheekbone, um, and obviously when he broke his leg at, at Lyon. And again, it didn't feel like the same team when he wasn't there. I think over the course of his eight years at Celtic, he, he, he didn't miss a whole lot of games other than, than the odd niggle. And that's part of someone becoming that talisman for your club is because they're durable, they're robust, and they're excellent. And just ho- hopefully that that's what that's what Furuhashi is going to be for us. Yeah, I just think these guys don't want to be rested. I know it's part of the modern game, and it's you know I'm I'm just going to be careful with them and different things. I think you know obviously he was rested uh, against Livingston last week. I think if you were asked to play, he'd have been gunning to start that game. And obviously Angie's made a call, but. Larson was, I can't remember Larson ever being rested. These guys just want to play, they want to add to their tally, they want to score goals and keep doing what they do best. He's he's untoppable and that was, I don't want to be critical of Big Ange, but that was a mistake. Don't you dare. I know I'm saying it, but it was a mistake last week. You're right, good players want to play all the time, but sometimes you need to protect them as well. How long do we go on about Callum McGregor playing too many games and stuff like that? Sometimes you need to pick and choose your battles and, and take them off, but... Even when you take him off, you can see the standards dropping straight away. It's no, you've, not got a like, you've, you've definitely not got a like for like, but you yeah. can see the actual, the pace dropping, the standards dropping. The, even the boys running about him are having to change the way they play because you're not getting the same movement. Yeah, that's the thing. I would far rather see him start and, and come off after an hour or so, which Andrew's done a few times. Again, we spoke about this in some of the post-match stuff. There is absolutely no doubt it's a downgrade. The last couple of games there, he's removed all three of those superstars, so Kyogo, Abada and, mm. and Jota, and it's a serious dip in quality when the other guys come in. That that was a point I, I was got to touch on is that there's a dip in quality not just on the end product but also closing down the tempo of the, the team overall. It, it's just so noticeable, it just drops off so much and it's that it's an obvious area of concern. Uh, but by the same token I think it just highlights whilst Angie's reign it's still is still in its infancy, I think he just has to play it rather than try and be too smart, just play it with a straight bat, play your strongest team, give yourself the best chance of your team to win the game, and then deal with it if a player looks like he's he's so burnt out that he, that he can't he can't play. And and I would include McGregor in that as well because as much as I think Kyogo is, is pivotal to how, how Celtic play, I, I would also include Cal McGregor in that as I touched upon last week. McGregor was also out the team when, when we weren't doing too well either. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think the way that Ange wants the team to play, whether McGregor's playing a you know a slightly more advanced position or whether he's playing the holding position his ability to get on the ball and dictate the play is absolutely key to, to Celtic controlling the game I was watching him in, I was watching him on Sunday in a few games as well he's an absolute nightmare Kyogre's a nightmare to pick up he, he, he drops short he, he fluctuates between two setter halves he's an absolute nightmare and people talk about his movement but the, the way he does is he makes himself available all the time. The times he's dropped in, get the ball, lays it off to McGregor, spins, takes his man away. He's an absolute nightmare for a defender to, to pick up. Yeah, I've no doubt. What do you think of the wee bit of snidiness he's got oh, in his locker? Love you seen that. This? Cheeky. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but that, I mean, when you're when you're not the biggest, you, you'll take a fair bit of rough treatment. So the fact that you're able to, you know, get a wee, get it right up you, but whenever you can, when you get the chance, absolutely take it because it, and again the other example use of that's Larson Larson was, was small and took a 
frightful amount of punishment that he ta- dished it back out. As a talisman that you've got a target in your back straight away. You go for the you go for the top man first. Yeah. I think all these guys, all these top, top players, you need to have a wee bit of that, you know, within your game just to, to allow you to, you know, go the extra yards. For those who don't know what I'm talking about in terms of the bit of snidiness, you'll find it on Twitter, I'm sure. But after we've scored, mm, not sure, maybe the, maybe Jota's second goal against Dundee, he's given it the big in to the, the Dundee centre half, who's potentially double his height, by the way. Um, he's given it that and he's also done it uh, when we scored against Hibs. The Hibs goal, he was on the deck and he's ran by him and he's, he said something, I don't like read Japanese, but he said something. Uh, and he's also fond of doing his wee... Triangle symbol to the the opposition fans. He likes yes. a wee bit of that. So, yes. aye, good on him. And um, we'll see how that goes. So, he now heads off on international duty. Um, he's going with Japan to face Vietnam uh, and Oman. And he'll be looking to add to the three goals that he's got for his country. And as always, uh, we just hope he comes back uh, fit and ready for the next round of fixtures. Definitely a guy I want to spend some time on today. So... On Wednesday of last week, Celtic confirmed that Tony Ralston had signed an improved deal that would keep him at the club until 2025. Joined the club as an eight-year-old and made his debut way back in May 2016. But if I've been really honest, uh, pretty much everyone certainly was here and the majority of the fan base thought his time was up at the club at least 12 months or so ago. So the question is, what does this turnaround say about the mental attitude of Ralston himself and how much of his improvement should be put down to him and how much to Ange? Well, I think he's on, on record this saying he's, he's had a change in circumstances recently and he's become a father. Yeah, I can only speak for myself in, in saying that when I became a dad, it, it changed how I thought about life. Um, however... I'm no a, a professional footballer so to, to have that as maybe an extra bit of motivation in, as to how you discipline yourself how you go about your routine how you implement you know the sports science recommendations for your diet and how to live and your your day to day life if Tony Ralston's taking that the, the birth of his, um, his daughter I believe it is yep. birth of his daughter is, is inspiration to just be a better professional footballer and give yourself a better chance at succeeding at Celtic or another club as it looked like it was going to be the case then, then I think you have to doff your, your cap to him. Never in my life watching Celtic have I seen a player improve so much as I've saw Tony Ralston improve over the past four years. I, I was at the game where he made his debut um, and he, he gave me the impression of being robust, agricultural, but not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing up until this season has, has changed my mind about that. Bear in mind that both St. Johnson and Dundee United could have signed him for nothing and, and they didn't. And, and I've spoken about this before on the podcast to think that he came back in the summer knowing that he was deemed not good enough for Celtic because that's why he was out on loan. Dundee United when they were in the Championship or St Johnson um, who had endured a mid-table season prior to then going on to win their, their double cup and then didn't get a look in ahead of John Joe Kenny which is probably more um, baffling than all those other things put together. To have the mental resolve to, to still want to try and improve yourself because we, we all know we all know the stories of guys that have followed a path like Ralston maybe not playing for Celtic or playing for Rangers but have been a professional footballer been in at a club been in at academy level not made the grade and then tapered off to the point where they've ended up playing with us um, no offence Lance <laughs> uh, so it, they've just maybe not had that motivation or that bounce back ability to borrow that phrase off Ian Dewey to, to um to go back and, 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 and really show the hunger and desire they want to make it. Tony Ralston has, and I still can't believe it's him that I'm watching. Still can't believe it. It's, it's honestly, it's just watching. I, I think he's a body snatcher. I think he's not somebody else's body. <laughs> he's possessed for the, the ghost uh, no, of the it, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do thank you. Before I come to yourself, I'll read out uh, some of the quotes from Tony himself after he signed that deal last week. So he says, when you're not involved for the period that I was last season, it was important that I kept myself right and worked hard away from the pitch. 
When the opportunity came round, I was ready to take it because I put the work in. It wasn't easy to do, but I'm glad I'm here now and I'm ready to kick on. It's every fan's dream to be in the position that I'm in today and I'm very grateful for it. And it's important to believe you can one day come through the ranks and play for Celtic. Strong words indeed. And as Miff mentioned, he also goes on to talk about his daughter and the, the impact that has. But what, what's your take on it, Sinky? What do you think? It's one of the best stories to come out of Celtic for a number of years. Like, everybody wrote him off, like, completely. He was a fall guy. Okay, days a turn. He was coming in. He had one good game. And you know something, like, he's kicked on. He's actually kicked on to being this mediocre fall guy who everybody thought was never going to make the grade to someone who I wouldn't have with the team. Yeah. I wouldn't have him with, I wouldn't have him with the team. And when you looked at the social media outpouring when he got his contract, obviously, during the week, every single person was all over that. Like, congratulations, brilliant. See what had happened. Well, somebody else got a contract the day after. We'll talk about that probably later on. But the difference, the difference in um, the, the, just the public, all the Celtic fans backing that up. You, but, yeah. but you mentioned it, Miff. Like, you went to St. Johnson. He was... Something's happened. You talk about the mentality. He was getting slated, right? And I, oh, I'm I'm guilty of it. So if, you, if you're listening, Tony, I, I apologise. But we're all guilty of giving giving it tight, making him the fall guy, stuff like that. And you know something, he's took it in the chin to have that kind of mental resolve to come back for that and improve yourself and and no listen to it. That guy's got some backbone, some 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 glass. He's not even got a glass chin. He's got he's he's just. I think that's one of the best stories I've. I've yeah. came across it in modern times at Celtic. He's actually, along with, you know, Ange and the Feel Good and Kyogo and Jot and everything else, he's very much played his part in galvanising this team. And as you say, Sinky, the outpouring on social media after the deal was announced last Wednesday, it was 100% positive. And I think people are just delighted for him because, you know yourself as a fan, you like nothing more than to see one of your own. And just, you know, to quote there, it's every fan's dream. That's his own words. He is a fan and there's nothing, nothing he wants more than to be a success at Celtic. You'd mentioned, um, just in terms of the turnaround, he played one game last year and it was the post-Dubai-Livingston game. I think it was one of those games we drew nothing each. To turn that around, he's now had 23 games so far this season. 23 from one. Uh, four goals, four assists, and he's played his part in, in nine clean sheets. It's incredible. It is, and that's, I still can't quite believe I'm watching the same player. I keep saying that, but it's true. I think a lot of credit has to go to the manager, though. The manager's obviously instilled some form of belief in him made him feel wanted and part of the squad, something that he, he hasn't felt probably since the, the first season that he broke into the team because I know he played the odd game and he featured quite regularly on the bench for, for Rodgers. So it's it's just really happening to see, like you say, Tino, fans love nothing more than, than one of their own breaking through into the team. But th this is different because he had been universally written off and, and I don't care what MD says, there isn't a Celtic fan out there that ever for one minute thought Anthony Elson was good enough to play as a regular in the Celtic first team. He has proved everyone wrong. Um, and I think coming back, we probably touched on it. I don't think we were universally happy that he'd been offered the, the one-year extension in his deal mm -hmm. when he came back in the summer, but we understood it yeah. for the point of view that the squad was so meagre and threadbare that we just had to, we had to kind of bat the hatches and make sure we'd done enough to, players to field an 11. But he's come in, he's took his chance. When there was a chance there in, in life, you need ability, but you also need a wee bit of luck. He's had his wee bit of luck. Timing's worked out in his favour, and he's took full advantage of it, and all credit to him. He was always, he was always going to be known for the guy that squared up to Neymar. When he, that's what he was going to be known for. Yeah. And then he's come in, and he's just... He, a lot of stuff he's added to his game, like the crossing, the, the overlapping, it's just like, it is, it's like Miff says, it's, it's unbelievable, the change in, in the guy, and he's... He's, all, I mean, he's always had a wee bit of bite about him, but to add, add a wee bit of quality to his game, and for me, he's, he's 
he's in that starting eleven. It's his jersey. I know we're all laughing when we signed Janovic, but we're all laughing about how he needs to he needs to move. He needs to, he needs to get out of the team. Um, and he probably will. We once we get a left back in, it'll be uh, Janovic will probably slot in his his natural side. But it's not an easy it's not an easy choice for Big Ange. <laughs> he's a fan's favourite. I, I, I don't think you can though. Just under the most basic rule of football, you've signed a player that you know is better than him, but he's not playing better than him, and. To play better than the way Ralston's playing now, you would need to be playing at an exceptional level. To be fair to Ange, when he came to the club, he's taken everyone at face value. So he's not any preconceptions. I mean, he's he's come in, he's assessed the players. And I think it was quite early on when he, he was quoted in saying that he's never let him down. So when he's picked him, mm. uh, Tony's never let him down. So he's, he's still not letting him down to this day. Yeah, I mean, the, the words you used, Miff, you know, industrial agricultural and different things like that that is absolutely the, the correct terms uh, even for the you know the, the first phase of this season but since then I think you mentioned the improvements only a couple of weeks ago we were slating his crossing you know he, he was doing all the defensive stuff fine doing it well but getting to byline and it was over the bar and wide and different things some of the crosses he's put the, the cross he put in after bouncing Charlie Adam out the road was you know incredible just whipped it pace and Jota comes on it and it's it's a it's a brilliant cross and it's a really solid assist and likewise the first one for Kyogo that's a different type of cross he's just lifted it found an area you got to remember as well he's playing that inverted fullback stuff as well so mm-hmm. you're, you're asking you've you're taken his natural habitat to put him in the middle of the park and well, do you know what I mean? And he's also doing that job that he's never done before and he's doing the, the job he should be doing and the right, a right back. Yeah, some guy. So he turns 23 next Tuesday, Miff, 16th November. What are you getting him for his birthday? What, what do you get a man who has everything? Two tickets to the Ballon nice, d'Or. Nice pair, of, <laughs> nice pair of silk boxer, right? I think so. Do you yeah. Christmas for that? You get uh, in fact, I, yeah, yeah. So just another thing that's going on at the moment, there's obviously the question as well, we're about to get into the National Week. What does Tony Ralston have to do in one of Steve Clark's squads? He's been kept out by Stephen O'Donnell, who I think he's a decent guy, but he's very limited. And Nathan Patterson, who doesn't play for Rangers. What's the story there? I was thinking about this one in the way in. And you talk about loyalty and stuff like that. And for him, you think when the national team gets you an automatic, like an automatic call up. What Stevie Clark's done, he's stuck. He's stuck to his guns. He's got Patterson and then he's got O'Donnell in there. The, the games that are coming up, I mean, the Moldova game, as a critical, critical game. And you would say that Ralston should come in based on form. But Steve Clark's just went with, he's went with his tried and tested. He's got a bit of loyalty today, today, guys. As a bit of kick in the teeth for him, because you're like, what does he need to do? But I think it's it's the manager that's stuck to, he's been loyal to the people that have got him to where he, the position, obviously, we're going for the playoff place. He's stuck to O'Donnell, who I don't believe to be on form or the, the same level as Ralston do. Um, and Patterson, I'll no go there with that. Yeah. I think that uh, since the squad's been announced, Ralston's actually get better. His, perf- his level of performances get better. So I think even when the squad was announced, I, I wasn't terribly surprised it wasn't in, just because sometimes international managers tend to, mm. tend to treat that initial early season burst with a bit of suspicion. Some managers don't like upsetting the apple cart and just going and throwing something new into the mix. And I think Clark strikes me as that type of guy, albeit that he's brought Jacob Brown for Stoke into I've the squad that. as well. So. Yep. You know, maybe I've just contradicting myself there. But in, in terms of O'Donnell, again, if he's not dropped O'Donnell before now, I don't see why, why he will. If, if he's been so out of him, you know, O'Donnell's level of performance has been what it's always been. Um, and, and he's still continually being picked again because I think it's a guy that he knows and he trusts and he's happy to go back to. Likewise, similar with Patterson. And I think Patterson's had enough of an impact that I can, I can under... And he's a wee bit different to the type of player Stevie Clark would normally select. So I, I kind of understand it. I think just looking at it purely in form, and even more so now, um, in the past few weeks where Ralston seems to again have 
up to his level of performance, it looks a very obvious one. An easy decision for Stevie Clark to have made to, to have got him in a foreign player that's going to offer you a, a bit of everything in terms of robust at the back, but also something going forward. Uh, I, I, I mean, he must be he must be thinking to himself, what what do I need to do to get in the squad? He's probably a Steve Clark right back. He's like he's probably he's probably a Steve Clark mm. right back. The way the robust the robustness and a wee bit a wee bit about him can go forward. He probably offer I would say offers more than O'Donnell, but you're right. The whole loyalty thing, the Kamamuk. The, the sticking to him, that kind of stuff, it plays a massive factor yeah. in football. You just wonder if even, as you say, if he's got loyalty in different things, but could Clark bring him in and have him around the squad and maybe bed him in because he's a young guy, he's, you know, next week he'll be 23, so there's plenty of years for him to develop and him and Parson could potentially be the, the right backs of the future. So we'll see, but at the moment, yep, it certainly makes Steve Clark look pretty foolish. Sinky, you touched on it briefly, um, but fellow fullback Greg Taylor also signed a new deal that was on Friday of last week. It was also his birthday, something in the water, 5th of November. Uh, that'll keep him here till the, the same time, till 2025. So what do you think of that one, Miff? I know you're a big fan of the boy. Uh, well, again, I think with, with Taylor, Taylor, like Ralston, was, you know, somebody that Ange relied on fairly heavily, especially early, early doors, to implement the style of football that he wanted because he, he was limited in who he, who he could select. But I think that they followed his instructions pretty much to the letter. And I think Ange obviously feels a, a, a bit of loyalty towards him. Um, and he's rewarded them with the contract. He obviously finds them dependable guys to have run about the squad. Y- you do need you, you need a Ralston, you need a Taylor in the squad that's probably got to, I know Ralston has been a regular starter, but you know, these guys probably in the in the longer term future aren't going to start every week, but you need them in the squad to be able to come in and out. I, t- I just don't think Taylor's as bad as everybody makes out. That's I mean I, I just I'm at the wind up a bit going on about him because I know it seems to really, really wind Celtic fans up. <laughs> when you big up Greg Taylor and I know he hits the opposition fullback's rear end with monotonous regularity with the ball but I, I, I just don't think he's as bad as he's made out I think I think Taylor's a, a decent squad player and I think he's been signed as such Ralston signing the extension as well I think to have you at the future if he keeps up the form he's going to be in the team but I think that's why Ange wants him as well as he's a reliable dependable squad player that, that's always going to be there We've seen the, we've seen the point of giving Tony Ralston a year's extension because we with nobody else when you've watched Taylor this season, he looks uncomfortable playing in this, the, the way Ange wants to play. I don't believe he's done anything at all to deserve a deal of this sort. I, I don't. I know. I'm one of these guys that's, that's I, quite, I, baffled. I, I, I'm, I'm baffled I, with this. Honestly, I don't think. I think his, his final ball's fairly poor at times. He's a bit hesitant, but overall, I, I just don't think he's as bad as everybody makes it. It just makes you wonder what's happening with the likes of Liam Scales. Bowling goal is a different question altogether. Uh, Montgomery's in there. Do we need to sign so many backups? Could I, I we don't not just... Know. just do the ball and goal thing? So he's come in. He's played against Motherwell and then Livingston. Lovey. He's not in the Euro squad, is he? No, he's not in the, no. Ch- the Europa League squad. No, it's just no. It's quite odd, isn't it? Well, really, it's very I strange. I don't think he did that badly no. in our game. Or... But you can probably count him out. But if Skills is in, if Montgomery's around. Do you need to give Taylor the extension or do you not just wait to see what happens and sign better quality in January and then kick on? Listen, I don't have a big problem with it. It's squad management. You might get a couple of quid for him down the line, but it's just a wee bit of a puzzler. Some of, some of, the, some of the signings that have been made, especially the kind of development ones, you wonder how much Ange knew about these, if, the, if these were scouted before, like the, these were scouting reports before he's come in and he's picked them up and he's and he's, he's obviously gave the nod on them. But some of the two boys we signed for, for Sheffield. Shaw and Urogide. Yeah, and then your, your scales. Well, I, I don't know what... I mean, there's talk about them going out and loan 
in January already. Skills will probably stay for the duration. But you just wonder, like, well, we've done this in the past, but these guys seem to be nowhere near it at all. I mean, some of the, they're in and out of squads, but they're not getting any game time for the first yeah. 11 at all. It is funny because how are you going to improve unless you get the chance to play? Sean Urigiri are on the bench almost every squad mm. for us. Um, so it is interesting, but we'll see how that plays out. Just on the Greg Taylor thing, did you see his Mauser in the... The press photos. Impressive. Very impressive. impressive. But he was getting a bit of grief around it, but apparently he's doing November eh, and raising good awareness for mental health and cancer charities. So good on him for that. Eh, what we'll do, let's hear from Ange now with some of his comments after the Dundee win and also his plans for some players during the international break. It was some excellent football at times. It was you know, a couple of moments where you know, I thought we were a bit sloppy and you know, I necessarily paid a price for it. But overall, you know, considering you know, a tough Thursday night game, we got back late from Europe. Um, it was going to be a real test for the boys in terms of their energy and, and drive, and I thought they showed that. Yeah, hopefully. Um, you know, obviously, we want the boys to do well. The ones that go away, they've got some big games, and we'll be wishing them well. But um, you know, hopefully, they get through unscathed. <coughs> and then we've got um, you know, we've got some here. It'll be Lennox down. Some need a break. Who've played quite a lot of football. Others we need to put some work into. So it's still, you know, important period for us. And you know, massive game when we get back. So I'm going to be ready for it. So Ange mentions there in the first piece the cheap goals that we conceded against Dundee in addition to the, the two we conceded at Ferenc Baros. So, yep, scored seven but we've also conceded four. Sanky, do you think that's a, an ongoing concern? So, as mentioned, Ange isn't mad at the clean sheets. He's not too fussed. But as long as we're doing what we're doing at the other end of the park, it should be fine. But, you know, does it put, uh, trouble you that we might come a cropper against better opposition? Yes and no. I mean, against good opposition, you're always going to get opened up and there's going to be chances created. But again, like conceding two against Dundee, people people will take the negatives out of that automatically. Obviously, they're, they're seen as the, the worst defensive le- record in the league. The way we play and the way we set up, we're not set up to stop the other teams from scoring. We're not, we've not got we've not got that, and I don't think we've got that in the locker. But I, I, I think you're right. You know, you touched on it at the start. He's more interested in just scoring, <laughs> scoring more than the opposition. It's like Brazil in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it's like... also like lunchtime at primary school. <laughs> just go hell for leather. Ten twenty one. See what happens. What do you think, Muff? He's just, he's got his way appointed and that's it. You know, there's there's not really too much more to, to say. He obviously feels that by controlling the game, having most of the ball, more often than not, you're you're going to win your games because you're you're going to create more chances and score more goals. The Scottish league is a wee bit different to most leagues in the sense that almost every every home game that the Celtic have, bar, bar maybe one or two, the, the opposition's going to show very little interest and try to win the game. The Livingston game's a classic example of that. So it's it's a conundrum, I think, that who who will who will kind of flinch first? Will it be Ange in terms of changing the, his approach and his setup, or will it be that we'll just continually, you know, kind of just keep playing the way they're playing, regardless of who we're playing, and walk into these games where you know inevitably you do kind of draw or, or, or fail to create much because the opposition are happy just to camp in the 18 yard box. I, th- I think I can tell you now that Ange isn't changing <laughs> no he's not changing do you, do you know what I've changed my mentality right like a lot of, in life no I died but pretty much I turned up the night so there you go yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know what like we usually we can see the goal right and I don't know if this is a Scottish thing it's the end of the world right I'm like oh come on what are we doing here man but with this team you're like ah, it's fine We'll just go and score another one. We'll just go up and part and score another one. It's, it's, my mentality's changed to what, because of this, the way we set up and the way Ange plays, usually when you go, it's 2-1, you're like, oh, here, here we go. But you know there's another, you know there's going to be more chances. The way we play, the, the front three, you know you've always got, you've got a chance of outscoring the opposition. I, I mean, yesterday, probably what frustrated me more was 
those two headers that we missed. The game, the game is done. Stephen Welsh and mm. and Carter Vickers. Mm, less so with him, but yeah. Oh, he's just he did it straight to the keeper. It's not even. I mean, pick your corner, and then Welsh has tried to pick a corner too, and just put it on target. So it was, I it was two two contrasting headers, but two very glaring misses. You know, those go in the game is finished. So if you do concede your daft goals, you're you're no care. That that's the going to sound odd, calling for us to be more more conical. But that's in both games we've been cruising and then put ourselves under a bit of unnecessary pressure. And it's just it'll be nice. I suppose we're still early on in in what you would call the the process or the the gelling of the team together. And that's something that, that Joe Hart was really hammering home. Um, in, in the interview before the game, he said, just stick with us because we're still a work in progress and we're no perfect, we're human beings. We're still trying to implement what the manager is trying to put in place, but we all believe in it. Yeah. And I think that is ultimately the most important thing. If the players are all believing in it, then it's up to us as fans to get behind it. Some of the goals we've lost is the basics of defending, like no shutting down quick enough, no getting, no stopping the cross coming in. A lot of it is the basic stuff. It's not the way we've actually set up. Yeah. I mean, the first Dundee goal, the boy, the boys kind of stroll by three, three yep. boys in the box yep. and put a cross in. And you know, son, that see that cross he's put in, kid. It, it was a, it was a decent ball, man. A very good ball. It, it was a great, as 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 a, as really hard to defend that. But he's that boss shouldn't be coming in because he's he skipped through seat three players. Yeah. put it in. As much as we've got superior players, I think you do need credit the knee for for a part in yesterday because they changed their shape. They obviously were hoping to keep it keep it tight and, and frustrated like Livingston had done. But they actually changed it and had a bit of a go. As a result, they left themselves more open. But it was to their credit that they, they actually did they did come back at us. Um, and I thought that that cross was a, was an excellent cross. That but was... you can see that Carter Vickers has just been caught ball watching in Welsh. Because Welsh was already marking somebody and he's just getting behind Carter yeah. Vickers. That's a question. So uh, Paul McMillan, ex-Celtic, that put the cross in. A few ex-Celtics actually, young... Uh, Gouser and all these kind of guys in that Dundee team but it was a very good cross it was clipped in it was curling it was hard to defend but Carter Vickers I thought was a wee bit too far out yep. towards the post mm-hmm. and as you see yep. Welsh ends up he, he, he doesn't know whether to stick or twist he's got two guys and he's got little chance there I know. I, I don't know if you've, if you've got Starfield in there it's different because you've got the, the two different obviously that they obviously played they played against Venice Fashos on, on, on Thursday against who? <laughs> Venice Fashos how do you say Venice Fashos I that mob for hungry so <laughs> So I, we we are we are we are we are partnership. They, I, I think they've been caught in no man's land, right? One's drifted out, one's flat footed. We are we are partnership. You, you know what your palace. Yeah. You know I mean, I think that's one of the big things. Just just on that. So Welsh is obviously slotted in last couple of games um, because of Starfield's injury. We'll see how that plays out once the the players come back for international. How do you think he's done with overall? I, I think he's done okay. Um, probably his confidence has been a wee bit shorn because he was. Mr. Dependable at the start of the season and um, he, as soon as Carter Vickers came in he was kind of dropped to the to the bench and, and not really cited I think other than maybe maybe one game for, for me Welsh is a, an able deputy and I, I, again I, I, I'm much like Ralston, and much like Taylor I think he's a guy that you keep in the squad and he's somebody that if you bring in you're, you're not wincing thinking oh no we're, we're playing Welsh that, that certainly doesn't doesn't bother me I think Stephen Welsh is more than capable Doing a job for us. Yeah, just on that, thank you. So, Miff described there as a as an able deputy. Do you see him as that? He's not quite a, a first teamer anymore. And mm. I mean, he was a first say, choice last season. I wouldn't say so. I mean, he was chucked out of the deep end last year with circumstances. Yeah. Probably the worst seed you could ever be chucked, chucked in. Mm-hmm. He, I think the Ralston doubters have moved moved across to uh, Welsh. To be fair, mm. um, there was one one thing in, in Sunday. He tried to put a bob outside his boot, 
I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen it. He tried to try to play a, a fifty yard outside of the boot pass, and I'm like, come on now, yeah. right? Stop, be, behave yourself, right? No need for that. But he's come in. He's done. He's couple of games. I mean, some of the early games in, in Europe, he was excellent. Mm-hmm. He was at. We were all calling from to get a regular run. But him him coming out, you always knew that obviously we Angie's but he's brought in staff out for for decent money. We got we got big uh, CCV last the last day of the transfer. They were always going to be his his, his pairing. But for Welsh to come out and not get a run of games, I thought he'd done well. I thought he'd done well on Thursday night and then he's, against Dundee, just glimpses of he's just not quite there yet. And people people are going on about he's, he's never going to be a Celtic centre half. The boy needs a chance. He needs, he needs to run a game. I think so too. I think he's a very good player. I really do. And I just think that, as you say, Sinky, last season, baptism of fire, getting thrown in next to Shane Duffy and, and all the nonsense that came with it last year. And I actually think if managed correctly, and listen, I'm sure Angie's a man for this, but if he manages him correctly, brings him in and out at different times and just looks after him and keeps his head right, I think he could go on to be a very good centre-half for Celtic. I do believe at the moment he's down the pecking order and maybe even more so when Julian comes back, but I think he's got a huge part to play and, and I'm quite hopeful for, for what lies next for Stephen Welsh. So what we'll do now, we'll look on to the international break. As mentioned, um, we've now got this break for the next couple of weeks before the next round of fixtures, so the various obvious guys will be going to be with their countries, guys like McGregor, Turnbull, Kyogo, Beaton, Abada. Uh, it does allow an opportunity, as Anne said there, to allow some players a bit of rest. So Ralston, for example, played a lot of football, um, but also allows further rehab for guys like Forrest, Julian, Rogic, who we've not even touched on, you know, we've not had him the last few games, Starfelt, Greg Taylor and James McCarthy. Now, James McCarthy is somebody I just want to touch on here uh, for now because he's the forgotten man very, very quickly all of a sudden. And I just want to, you know, run it by you guys. I mean, Miff, have you been a bit concerned about just how little we've seen of him? And it, I mean, for me, in terms of ability, he's a far better player than Beaton. But I know Beaton's the man that's got the shirt and not McCarthy. Well, I'm not concerned because what I did see from him, he wasn't good enough to be in a starting place. Now, I know he's had a terrible time f- through injury, but just because of reputation and because he's a, a Celtic fan doesn't mean you walk in and get a starting jersey. You know, his showing against Livingston meant that I think he'd proven it. I mean, any time I'd seen him, he'd done the odd good thing, but just generally, he wasn't getting about the park well enough. And, and to play in this Celtic team... The one thing he needs energy. I think you've seen in recent weeks, Rogic and Turnbull both improve in terms of mobility and the amount of ground that they cover. Beaton, when he's playing in central midfield, does possess a reasonable level of intelligence where he can he can get about, he makes angles and he, he, he's always willing to produce a few dirty fouls in the midfield to break up the opposition's play when they're, they're moving forward. So he's got that kind of intelligence to, to play there. My, my issues with Beaton have always been when he's played at centre-half because he plays at centre-half like he would play at centre-mid he makes stupid fouls and ends up getting sent off from the the McCarthy thing doesn't doesn't really bother me. What does bother me is we signed him on a three year contract. I just think that's absolutely nuts. Four, I think. Four, four definitely yeah. four. four. I, well, I'm, even I'm, I'm worried about the situation. Um, just the contract, four year contract. I know he's had injuries and stuff like that, but we've not seen anything from him. The every game run about like a stolen motor. I just, I just honestly, I, I, I want him to do well. You get the whole Celtic connection and. He's come in with a reputation. He's played at a higher level. We can all say that. But I'm worried about the four-year deal. I just, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know what it is? I'm thinking Marvin Compter, that that kind of director, that kind of stuff. Like, well, as mad as this sounds, I think he's somebody that could benefit from going on loan. I think he could actually go on loan and play. He just needs to play. He's at, he's no good having stop, start, stop, start coming to us when he's only coming. I mean, I think at the start he was coming on for twenty minutes here, twenty minutes there. Yeah. Then when we did actually go to start him, it was very obvious for everybody to see. It just, it just wasn't mobile enough because it wasn't fat enough. But we're in November now and we've not seen 
anything to indicate that he's going to fit into this, into this team and he's, even when he comes on and stuff like that, like 10 minutes, 20 minutes here and there, it's, yeah, I know you're saying about the loan stuff, you could probably say that, get, get him a run of games. And then now he's well done the pecking order. Yeah. Like well done the pecking like, I don't know if he's a heady sorrow he's, we can argue that one but if he's done he's done the pecking order I, th- I think he's definitely a guy who needs minutes and I think he just needs to play games and, and find his feet and find his form uh, it's funny I'm a huge fan and I, and I think and hope he'll be a success but it's not he's not shown it at the moment and he's been sub not used far too often you know and doesn't even feel that he can trust him and bring him on in some games for me I, I just don't think there's any way he's an inch signing you think there's a, an Irish connection there, a Dermot Desmond, something I, I, going I on? No, I have no idea. I, I, I certainly don't think. I think that's been a, a premeditated signing, or, or it's been, it's been one that we've had, one, one that we've had in, in the pipe, and then given the lack of activity we had towards the end of the, the transfer window, we probably just went. Let's just push a button on. That's just how it seems to me. Maybe I'm talking absolute mince. Maybe Ange has scouted them and signed them and wants them in the team, but the amount of minutes that he's playing would suggest not. You do also wonder why you have to give a four-year deal to a guy that's freed him a contract. He was doing nothing, I believe. I don't know if, if he had other offers. Very possibly did. But four years on decent money is a strange one. But listen, we'll move on from I just, you know, I hope and, and believe it will become a success. But at the moment, he just seems to be falling a wee bit short. The other thing, just, just while we're talking about recent form and, and um, the performances, especially Fernand Faros and uh, Dundee, the one player I, b- I would like to, to highlight is um, is Leo Abada. Mm-hmm. And, and purely on the basis that it, two of the goals came from him pushing up and, and really pressing high on the um, on the opposition fullback, and we got a goal against Ferns Faros from it, and we got a goal against um, Dundee from it as well. And I know he is the less heralded of the the front three that we have at the moment, but the the energy that he brings to the front line, his willingness to run, he's, he's constantly um, showing himself as, as an option as well. I just think it's excellent. This guy's only nineteen. He's come in, he's had a, an excellent impact in terms of, I know sometimes his overall general play frustrates people because it doesn't really take a man on. You know, sometimes he, he always, again, seems to be guilty hitting the defender he's, he's crossing, things like that. But he's really, really effective in terms of his contributions for assists and goals. And I just think he's, he's had an excellent start to his Celtic career. And I, I think it bodes really well. The fact that you've got Forrest now back and, and in contention, if you can actually maybe take a bit of the heat off a bad and use him a wee bit more sparingly, I think that will benefit more rather than playing just you know being relied upon almost yeah. in his first season at Celtic Park. It will just let him maybe take take him out the firing line and just let him develop and mature a bit more as a player. I just think he's he's a player for us to be really really excited about. He's our player. He's nineteen, and and I just think it's a great signing. He's got serious potential. He's worked great, and his attitude is absolutely spot on for some of that age. I mean, that's probably a mistake and. I mean that's just experience just getting games under his belt but he's come in you're right in, in Europe as well he's a great outlet like he's always on the move he's always taking it quite frustrating at times but that's just a winger Wing, wingers are always going to be frustrating they cannot be it's very hard to be consistent as a winger but for someone that age and you're right he's our player like the, the other side obviously Jota's on loan agreed to like hopefully agreed to buy but for, for him he has done brilliant I also think he, he plays to Angie's system to your point Matt, the closing down is exceptional and yeah, sometimes the end product isn't quite there. Although, you know, his first half dozen games or so, he's, he's getting amongst the goals, getting amongst the assists, and he's, he's assisted recently as well. But his work rate off the ball to do this high press and, you know, so desires from this team, it's it's paying dividends and it's, it's what's got is that crucial first goal against Ferns Faros. And again, it's played its part against Dundee. So yeah, I think you're right. I think we need to be careful with guys like that. We played him for the first, I would say, dozen or so games out with when he took the spell for religious reasons. He missed a game or so because we had to play him. 
we didn't have the options. We didn't have Forrest. We didn't have uh, Mikey Johnson available and, and there was no other choice. Now there is choice. I think it's time to just be careful with him and, and just to make sure that at times when he's heads down a wee bit, just drop him out, drop him back in and we'll see what kind of reward we get. Moving on. Uh, so next up on the return from the international break is St Johnson at Hamden. That's a League Cup semi-final, Saturday 20th November. I think it's kick-off five o'clock. So quarter past, quarter past five. Quarter past five, so a Saturday evening kick-off to look forward to. It'll be Ange's first trip to the National Stadium. Um, there's a potential final versus Rangers who play Hibs in the other semi. We'll see how that goes. Sinky and true Wim Janssen's style, is it important to lift that first trophy of the season and put down a marker? After after last season, we need a, we need a lift. Um, and we, the Hamden hand, the record of, over the last few years, or the, more than the last few years, has been exceptional. To get Ange a trophy, the, the job he's done, he absolutely deserves it. He, de- he, deserve, he deserves his big day. But St Johnson... <laughs> they're, they're, they're the form team in the cup, and they dub, double last year. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be a tough game, but you know, I, I, for me, I would love to see Big Ange lift his first trophy. Yeah, it would be great. My father says it's the it's the less heralded of the the three trophies available here in Scotland. But do you think it puts out a, a marker, makes a statement, and gives the players confidence moving forward? Absolutely. I, I don't think him um, after last season. I don't think we can be too sniffy about it. I think any silverware this season makes it a successful season for Ange. Um, to me, I have no doubt he'll be targeting this trophy. And if you look at um, recent managerial reigns down, down in England, the League, League Cup's been something that likes a Guardiola and Mourinho often target just to get their reign off to a, a flying start because it's the first available trophy that, that you can win. So I think it would bode well if Ange came in and his first attempt at winning silver where he was successful. I think that would just be a big boost for him, big boost for the squad. And it would act as a, you know, a sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? A verification. In the way that he's wanting to play Validation Validation, that's the word I'm looking for Validation And the fact that the squad have brought in it And it's brought results So, no, for me Listen, that, that that's that's how Celtic are, are judged Celtic are a club that's judged in the trophies they win We can play all the nice football we want We can blow teams away uh, We can week out But if at the end of it There's not a trophy Then people ask questions And, and rightly so Celtic yeah. is ultimately a club that's judged on trophies And winning trophies will, will get everybody in a good mood Definitely, so it's, it's one to look forward to. So a couple of weeks away, or just less than a fortnight away, St Johnson at Hamden, Ange's first trip to the National Stadium. Just a, a final additional piece of news before we start to wrap things up for today. Obviously, Eddie Howe has now been confirmed officially as a new manager in Newcastle. Sinky, would you swap Ange Postacoglu for Howe nowadays? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> you know, we were in here um, discussing Eddie Howe for months and months and months. And you know what? Like, I would not swap the big man for for how or for anybody at the moment he's he's just got that connection with the fans and you know what how faffed about did he want the job Ange wants to be here and we're just lucky to have him yeah Mav Jank we've won a watch with Big Ange yes I do I wasn't convinced about how um, during all the speculation even more so now yeah. um, the fact he's obviously to get the permission slip for his missus to, to take a Newcastle job so <laughs> no for me and also I feel the, the union of him and Newcastle has disaster written all over it. I, I may be wrong, but I don't. I don't think. Yeah, don't think the the Geordies will respond well to a PE teacher. <laughs> yeah, but I think we're universal in our agreement that, as you say, Sinky, you wouldn't swap hands for anybody at this moment in time. And can, can you see Eddie Howe rocking the the grey trouser black jumper look? Nah, he's not quite. No chance. Sinky, as we start to wrap things up for today, what's your summary on how things are going just now and your final comments for the week? Uh, well, there's one thing I did want to touch you. We've not even spoke about what happened in what happened in Sunday. There are obviously a couple of, couple of 
main talking points we've not talked about in the podcast. Now, forget about the tennis balls, forget about the minute of silence. What I wanted, what I'm really disappointed, and this needs to be brought up, the fact that we're singing Christmas songs at the start of November, I'm not happy about that. We're better than that, aren't we? We're much better than that. Come on. It's just one fan night was the last Friday. Come on. So any Celtic fans or all Celtic fans listening, Bit early, come on, my thoughts. The, the, the school, the school of thought is that, that Christmas now starts after bonfire night. <laughs> yeah, that just seems to be accepted wisdom. It's madness, absolute madness. Twelve days of Christmas. It's allowed them to get a, an Andy Postecoglou song on the go, though. So that's got to be. I, I think that's played a massive part in it. We just had to, we had to, we had to get one out there. But yeah, things are going really well. Some of the boys will get a rest. Um, we hoped to goodness that the boys that are in national duty come back um, and they're fully fit, ready to go because we need. We need that strongest 11. Yeah. Likewise, Miff, I'm looking to give you a rest during the international break, like you and Tony Ralston <laughs> recharge your batteries, but what's your final thoughts for today? Uh, final thoughts, it's nice to, to go into the international break with a couple of wins. Um, when you look at the, the last uh, kind of tranche, about seven or eight games, it's actually been really impressive with the, with the Livy game being the only the only blip. So I, I just think we're in a really good place and, and you can see that. You can see the way the, the, the squad as a whole seem to be really, really vibrant. And um, it's just an absolute joy to watch the likes of Kyogo and Jota go, go at it every game. Yeah, absolutely. So in the seven games since returning from October's international break, Celtic have now won six and drawn one, scoring 16 goals along the way to complete an impressive unbeaten spell over the last few weeks. As always, we now hope that Kyogo and co return from their travels unscathed before we enter a seriously busy spell of fixtures over the remainder of the calendar year. Most importantly though, we hope the main man Tony Ralston enjoys his time off. My thanks to Muffin Sinky for joining me this week and as always, our thanks to you for tuning in. If you're enjoying what we do and want to lend your support, please share this episode far and wide with your Celtic supporting friends. It really makes a big difference to what we do. But in the meantime, and as always, thanks for listening. Podcast Network.